to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 99. And with me this week, we have Pedro Hernandez. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back. On the road to 100. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could say I have huge plans for episode 100, but uh, they're in the very conceptual stages right now. So, But uh, I, I'm sure I'll have something special for the next episode, but... Uh, this one will be good too. So uh, we got uh, two listener requests lined up. We got three ancient requests from Pedro that, that have been in the queue. Thank you very much. He's sort of playing along, but he'll probably know the games, but we'll see. Okay. So uh, we should just uh, get started here. All right. Game one. Here's your first song. I really know what the game is, but I'm going to be keep playing and think that I don't know what it is. So keep going. All right then. Thank you. 
song has gotten stuck in my head in the past. Yo-ho, yo-ho. Wait, wrong game. Yeah, well, I guess this is kind of an easy game. Um, we got one more song. Pedro just sort of gave you a hint, kind of. <laughs> At least the context of that particular song. But uh, here's another question. Which character can be found on a TV inside of an igloo in this game?
If you haven't figured it out with that song, um, yeah. It's too easy. Too easy. Yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no. It's not too easy. It's too easy. Really? Yeah, it's banjo too easy. Oh. Uh, I already yeah, knew about too it. Easy. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Peter, do you remember uh, the the context in which you uh, see this character I mentioned who's on a TV inside of an igloo? Actually, I do. It's actually Mr. Pants. Where's old mascot from back way back in the day? Yeah, stick figure with uh, underwear. It, it's very Classy. hard to forget. It, it's very hard to forget that sort of image. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Bear. I mean, I'd say Banjo Two is kind of the pinnacle of their rardom, uh, if that can be said. Uh, I mean, they're you know putting eyes on everything at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there like a, a cartridge, or maybe it's part of the unlockable thing that they, you know, the hot swap or uh, stop, stop and swap thing? Stop and swap, uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to say there, there's a a character that's literally a banjo kazooie or banjo katui katui. Wow, banjo katui, <laughs> banjo banjo tooie N64 cart with eyes on it running around. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's banjo tooie. I like the game. Uh, I mean, it's it's very big. It's very much a rare collectathon. But um, I guess it hadn't run its course for me yet. I, I really enjoyed playing the game. I, I couldn't see myself going back to play it again. But uh, I, I got most of the stuff in that game. And uh, the, one of the interesting things they did is it really built on the previous uh, entry in the series. In that, like you started off with basically your, your move set from before that you had acquired, and uh, added new move sets, which is good and bad. Um, because it means there's a lot of crap to do, but it also means that the controls got really weird by the end. Like, to do these special moves, there were all sorts of weird button combinations and, and stuff. And uh, so it's one of those games that if you went back to, you'd have to start over. You wouldn't remember how to play. <laughs> um, so you, I assume you played this game a lot too, Pedro. Yeah, um, I played it a lot, but I'm with you in that the game is really good, but the problem for me at least is that the game got really too big. It got to a yeah. point where it got exhausting. Like when you started playing, then you read that you had to go to this world, then you had to collect this, then you had to talk to X characters so that you can do the mission, then you get the extra, then you go to another world, and etc., etc., etc. And it got so annoying at times that it felt like playing one big show rather than an adventure, if you get what I'm saying. The world was very big. All of the worlds were big in the game. And, and you know, Banjo and Kazooie, Banjo doesn't run terribly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Kazooie's a little faster, but um, it, it was just a lot of backtracking and there was a lot of going back and forth. And I think there were places where like Banjo and Kazooie split up from each other and, and so you're almost traversing the same area twice or, or doing stuff like that, kind of like Mario and Luigi style. It's basically the... Taking a play from a strategy from Donkey Kong 64's playbook because 
that's how that game play and Bayonetta 2 plays exactly like that yeah kind of yeah I I, I don't know I, I don't think Banjo 2 was as egregious as go collect these bananas in five different colors but yeah I um, agree uh, the, the game only had two characters to play as but it kind of followed the same strategy in that in order to artificially ex- enhance the game's replay value they try to add more characters so that you will be doing the same things but with two different characters yeah. and that's something that Banjo 2 really did and that kind of put me off from the game it's like I said it's still really good I really enjoy the music I really enjoy the graphics the characters everything fantastic but the gameplay was way too big for it so I'm good I don't know uh, I, I don't know did you play the Xbox Live remake at all is it was it uh, uh... I only played the demo of it, but it's basically the same game except they actually finished this stop and swap, but it isn't as epic as people thought it would be. Well, basically what Rare did was that they took the game code from the old game and finally finished stop and swap, but what it does is that it unlocks some items on the first game if you have it on Xbox Live, and it, it unlocks some parts on the new Xbox game, the one with the cars, that's basically it. Hmm. I, I have to admit that was kind of disappointing because that's like a 10 year myth going around so when it's finished it's like oh. They turn into a, basically a cross promotion with one of the new games which I'm sorry it isn't even one of the better games. I tried to enjoy <laughs> Nuts and Bolts but it's basically what I, keep, what I keep saying about it is that we had a new IP game in development about a guy that kept building cars and that was basically the game concept and one day they were in the meeting and one of them said you know people are asking a lot for a Banjo Kazooie game is there any way we can turn that guy into Banjo and Kazooie? we can we got a sequel people yeah, and I, I don't know if that came from Microsoft or what, but uh, it's c- kind of reminiscent of what happened with Dinosaur Planet, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Except this time they didn't show the game before it got retooled. They, they, right. They only say, oh, we have a new Banjo-Kazooie game. And that first teaser, I still remember that first teaser, they, it didn't say anything. They were like, oh, it's a brand new Banjo-Kazooie game. Then the new trailer is a racing game. Hmm. Well, uh, I really can't speak to that, the new Banjo game, because I just saw it at E3 in very limited form. And so. I can only speak for myself, because I know some people really like the game. Some people say it's really underrated, that it deserves a little bit more of a chance, that if you try to look beyond the franchise it's based on, it's a really decent game. I can agree, but it's still kind of a tedious game. Like, I want to play a platformer, not a... Uh, yeah. Transformers-like game. <laughs> I want to play Banjo-Kazooie, period. Yeah. Not to mention that uh, the original games still stand up to this day. I mean, uh, this came out in the mid-90s when there were a lot of platformers and mascot platformers and Banjo-Kazooie was, were able to stand out. So we can be thankful that even though we only got two games, the two games that we got were actually really excellent. Yeah, I guess so you disagree with me. I, I just... I think it's difficult to go back and, and replay. Maybe if you haven't played it before, they're worth going back to. 
Well, maybe for the second one. The first one I find that it's still very playable because it's more streamlined. The second one yeah. is far more expensive, but it kind of almost requires you to play the first game first before going to a sequel because it demands out all of your knowledge of the previous games. Yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't play all of the first one, but yeah, that's true. All right, we should go on to the next game here. All right, next game. sounds so familiar yet I can't put my finger on it. I know I'm going to kick myself if I don't guess it by the end of the third song. I think you'll get it. Hopefully.
It's a creepy little song. Mm-hmm. Here was a question for you, Pedro, mm-hmm. since since you, I don't know if you know it yet. What large treasure is stolen from the main character by his arch nemesis at the end of the game? Oh, I already know, but I'm going to stay quiet. the music from this series. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what game is this, Pedro? I think I, I really know what it is. It's Wario Land for the Game Boy. Yeah, the first Wario Land. That's why I said that I was going to kick myself if I didn't guess because <laughs> the first song is was very familiar to me. I was like, I know this is from a game I love, but I can't put my finger on it. It wasn't until the second song with the quote-unquote Fart noises, that's it. Oh, I know Fart what Fart noises? I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know that noise that That's just sort of the instrument. It's sort of a lumbering, deep square wave or something. I don't know. Well, it is a water game, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was before he was obsessed with parts. This was earlier in his career. Yeah, when um. he was still an uh, experiment <laughs> that Nintendo was still working on. Well, I mean... Uh, Wario Land was sort of when the Mario Land team sort of found its own voice. Um, Mario Land 1 and 2 are good games, they were kind of weird games, but they sort of figured things out with Wario Land, and it, it's sort of bizarre version of like a Super Mario World or something. I mean, it has that overworld map, but everything just sort of off, and uh, money rules. I mean, at the end of the game, um, Wario gets a, a castle or a home of, of uh, lesser or greater worth, depending on how much money and treasure he's collected. And it's just sort of a zany game like that. And uh, when you beat a level, you can gamble. There's like a mini game where you can either what is it, lose half of your money or, or double your money, I think. Mm, um, I think that's, that's what, how it was, yeah. Yeah. So, it, I don't know. It, it's just a lot of fun. The platforming is really good. And it has some fun power-ups. And uh, but it's it's very much a platformer, and uh, you know it's it's sort of a Mario game that isn't a Mario game, um, which I guess you could say for the same first two as well. Um, 
Now, as for the soundtrack, um, the composer is uh, Kozue Ishikawa, and uh, I love all three Wario game soundtracks. And uh, I'm not sure what else that composer has done. I- I'm not really sure there's much else. Uh, it seems like he sort of he or she just sort of disappeared. I mean, I think Wireland 3 is the last thing uh, credited to Kozue Ishikawa, and I, I just who was this person? Well, what else has this person done? I want I want to hear more of this. That's really interesting. I have to learn more about it too. I didn't know about that. Maybe maybe it was just a pseudonym for some other composer. I, I don't know. It's maybe that person went to work on for Intelligent Systems or any other team for Nintendo, and they kept quiet about it. Yeah, why? That, I mean, that doesn't make sense. It's more likely that that person got fed up with composing for video games or whatever, or didn't want to, and is then composed for other things, whatever, Maybe. movies or commercials. <laughs> so that is a great mystery, though. Yeah, if anyone knows more about this composer, I'd love to hear about it because because I certainly enjoyed the eight bit music from the Wireland games, and and uh, uh, yeah, it just sort of fell off the face of the earth. Mm. Anyway, the uh, I mean the game's fun. I mean, I, you'll probably get to play it fairly shortly. War, uh, Mario Land Two just came out for a virtual console on 3DS, mm-hmm. which is a lot sooner than I thought it would. That's, that's kind of surprising. Um, so hopefully, Wario Land isn't too far away because um, it's a really good game. Um, I I remember getting it on a uh, family vacation. I bought it at an airport, probably in like. Egypt or Israel or whatever, <laughs> some trip in the Middle East, to be honest. It was that's well a, after it had come out, but I didn't really, care. It was one of those... That's a really good cool story. I mean, you can say, oh, I got the game at GameStop. I got the game at EB Games. Where did you get it, Michael? I got it in Egypt. What? Yeah. At the airport, I was just like, well, um, I want a game to play and uh, for a plane ride. I know... Uh, I, you know, I've never, I'd never played Wario Land before, but I had played, you know, Mario Land 2, and I knew that was good, so uh, I picked it up. I think it might have been, might have been after I played Wario Land 2, actually, now that I think about it. Actually, that was my case, too. I remember getting the, actually, actually, I should explain that Wario Land was actually the second game I ever played and owned on the original Game Boy. I, that same Christmas, I got Mario Land 2, and that was my first game I ever played on the Game Boy, on my own Game Boy, I should say. And I really loved that game so much that I, I decided to give Wario Land a, a chance. I didn't know anything about it. All I, I knew about it was that the bad guy from Mario Land 2 was a playable character that they kept announcing it on, on the toy sort of a uh, shopper kept reading about it and said, oh, it looks pretty cool, right? The next thing I knew, I got the game and I, I fell in love with it because of the things that you said earlier. It was really wacky. It was a lot like a Mario game, but at the same time, it is in a Mario game. It has its own identity form out of the ideas from, from, the, other, from the other franchises. That's why I love it so much. Actually, I really remember the commercials for uh, Mario Land 2 and, and Wario Land 1. I think they kind of had a similar theme to them where they were sort of hypno- hypnotic. I don't know if you saw these commercials uh, in Puerto Rico, but... I didn't see those commercials back in the day, but I do remember seeing them on YouTube. But I know that the hypnotizing one was for Mario Land 2 where he says, oh. Obey Wario, destroy Mario. He kept saying that okay. over and over. 
Yeah, okay, I thought they brought that back for Wario Land 3. I'm sorry, for uh, Wario Land. I thought they kind of brought back that. Well, um, we should probably answer the bonus question. Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the game, whatever, you defeat Captain Syrup, you get... Oh, maybe I, sh maybe I shouldn't uh, give away everything, but in case people haven't played it. Um, well, if they already but, played uh, Wilderland for the Wii, they know who Captain Syrup is. Yeah, so. well, anyway, you defeat Captain Syrup, and uh, what appears is like a giant um, statue of Peach. Yeah. And, and then, like, Mario comes in like a gyrocopter or something and picks it up. I, I don't know how that little thing can carry so much, but he picks it up and carries it away. Uh, and... Uh, I could never tell if Wario was fuming mad or if he was shrugging his shoulders. The the sprite was was so small in that scene. I I, I can't figure out exactly what what his expression I, is. I would say that he was angry because he worked so hard to try to get the the statue, the treasure, and he was jumping for joy. And then he sees Mario come and say, "Oh, you found me a nice treasure. That's for me. Thank you, Wario." <laughs> and he goes away. They say, damn it, I went on a 10-hour adventure just to get this, and this jerk comes out of nowhere, steals it for me. And then Mario says, then you, then you know how it feels, sucker. I think it's so weird that Mario winds up stealing something away from Wario. It's like, maybe it was originally Peaches, and so, and so he's just getting back his rightful that treasure, it. but it's still kind of funny. Especially if you remember that in Mario Land 2, the story behind that game is that Wario steals Mario's castle and he has to get it back. So so the ending to this is kind of like a, like a revenge uh, yeah. ending for Mario. I don't know. It's, it's just a real fun game. Yeah, it's certainly not quite as bizarre as the sequel, but it's still plenty fun. Um, Alright, well, we're going to go on to game three. And... Uh, Enjoy. what to say me neither I don't even know what it is really so listen to request my request no 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 listener request from jovial oh, okay. jeffer okay
quite the base. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question that might help some people. What environmental feature are you trying to create in this game? Pedro, do you have any idea what game this is? None whatsoever, so I'm curious to know what it is. Can you figure out what system it's on? It sounds like the Super NES, but I'm not sure. Really? It sounds like a Super Nintendo game. Because I was impressed that this is an N64 game. Anyway, yeah, this is an N64 game called What Tricks, which is a, a puzzle game. I'm not sure if it's really officially tied to Tetris or not, but it's certainly kind of going for that angle. Um, 
and it's sort of a takes place in like this isometric field um, where blocks I guess sort of fall down but really what they do is is they affect the environment there are arrows pointing down that uh, lower ground and then there are arrows pointing up that raised ground and there are water droplets and then there's like fire and uh, I I had a lot of trouble following the game when I watched some footage of it but I think the idea is you're trying to create lakes so you, you create a little you know, dry pool and then you fill it with water and you want to make as many lakes as you can divide it up and, uh, and you know and then you can use fire and it'll evaporate the water so you don't want to like create fires in the, on the ground you want to combine that with water to disperse it um, and, and I really couldn't follow what all there is to the game it, it, it just sort of confused me quite honestly but I've heard people speak positively about this game so I I really guess I, I don't get it. And I guess you've never seen this game either based on uh, your utter no. silence here. <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, first time I heard heal of the game, really, I don't... It doesn't make sense to me. I'm I'm confused, to be honest. I'm sorry. It, it's hard to describe. It, it's... It's, um... It's sort of like you're playing on, like, a civilization contour map where you're able to raise and lower the ground you have to use blocks and you drop the blocks down in, in a certain location that raises that part of the land or lowers that part of the land. It, it's weird. Uh, I, I, it just, it's weird. guess I have to check out some footage of it and yeah. see if, if I remember it because I have no idea that the game even existed. I'm sorry for the listener that requested this hoping that we knew about it, but I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's got good music, so that's... It's pretty good, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty good. So, uh, thank you, Jovial Jever, for this odd selection. I, I feel like it's probably someone on staff who could have talked more to this, but because um, I've certainly heard of it before. So maybe Johnny used this before in a previous radio trivia or, or something, because I, I had heard of this game before. But, uh, you know, we got talk back. Tell us about the game. Tell us uh, if, if I totally misunderstand the game concept or what if I <laughs> if I actually describe the game. So uh, please, uh, you know, if you know something about this game, go to the talkback thread and uh, let us know. We can go on to the next game here. Now, I'm not going to say anything about it because I think this is one Pedro doesn't know yet.
Funny enough, I was just reading about this game a few nights ago. Really? Wow. Uh, how's yeah. that for a timing then? Well, um, let's go to the next song. Let's see if you actually know the game. Here's your question. What item depicts your health meter in this game?
Well, Pedro, did you uh, still know what the game of this is? Yeah, I still know what it is. What is it? Box Bunny's Rabbit Rampage for the Super NES. Yeah, um, it's both an impressive and terrible game at the same time. I have to agree with you there. Um, so for th- those unfamiliar with this game, it's, it's a Looney Tunes brand game um, in which uh, you play as Bugs Bunny, and uh, the graphics are quite impressive. It, it very much pulls off the look of Looney Tunes from uh, the introductory uh, you know, title sequence where it shows like Bugs Bunny in and then the name of the, the game. Uh, and, and the sprite work is, is very good, I mean, very expressive and, and uh, very accurate to, to the cartoon. The problem is the game isn't any good, and it's probably partially because of these giant sprites that uh, take up like a, a third of the screen. I mean, it's kind of like playing Sonic on Game Gear or something. So, uh, you know, you play as Bugs, and he has this like big jump because he's a rabbit, and... Uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's a bizarre platformer that just doesn't have any structure to it, really. You're just hopping on bad guys and going forward. Um, I, I didn't actually play this game, but uh, I, I can't imagine it's a fun game to play. Um, what is your familiarity with this game, Pedro? Well, I actually played it way back in the day when it came out for the Super NES. I'm a big animation fan. I love the Looney sure. Tunes. So when I went, when I saw the game at the rental store, I picked it up right away because I really love the characters. I love the franchise. And like you said, I really love the sprites. I really love the graphics, the animation. The music is really good. Mm-hmm. And if you're a big Looney Tunes fan, you're actually going to recognize a lot of the more obscure characters like... One of the booths that Bugs Bunny fought off in one of the shorts. Mm. Like it's a we it's a game loaded with a lot of references to the Looney Tunes cartoons and movies, but the gameplay sucks. A big one, really hard. Yeah. It's awful game. And mainly because I felt that it was too hard. Like you said, there are too many characters on screen at once. Like for example, you could be walking and then some other character off screen will hit you and you won't know it until you go back and look up and you find a character hiding in a tree somewhere hitting you with a slingshot. And it yeah. was really frustrating to play. Yeah. So, so did you need to destroy all the enemies? Because, I mean, it's, you got to jump on them a lot of times or like maybe you can kick them or something with your feet. I actually don't remember, I don't know if it was a, a straightforward platformer where you start at point A and get to point B, avoid the enemies, etc, etc. I don't remember if it was that, that like that. I do remember that the gameplay was eclectic, like it didn't make sense most of the time. Because one minute you will be in a traditional platformer level, then the next you will be right into a boss level, then the other you have to do some type of search. It was a really confused, confusing gameplay design. Well, I mean, that in a way, that's true to Looney Tunes, where it's just supposed to be lots of random, crazy stuff. Yeah, but I agree with I, that. I don't know if that necessarily works if you, the player doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so, I mean, there's certainly other games that have pulled off more eclectic designs better than that, you know, so. Huh. Well, uh, it, it's a quirky little title. I'm, I'm not sure... Uh, how you'd be able to track it down other than uh, emulation online, but uh, it's it's at least worth looking at a video of, because it really is a beautiful looking game. And it, it was developed by Sunsoft, and I'm not sure what else they did in the 60-bit era. It seems like they, they really died off. I mean, they were huge on the NES, and then 
Um, they did um, Aero the Acrobat. Oh, really? They did Aero the Acrobat. Okay. Yeah, the bad game. And they did several other Looney Tunes games, okay. which I was going to mention that it seems like Warner Brothers were looking at the success Disney had with their games with Capcom, they later on Virgin Interactive, mm-hmm. where they take the movies and they turn it into these really good video games. So they thought maybe if we find a solid, decent developer and we give them our franchise, they're going to do something decent with the with them. And I guess something I went guess, wrong. <laughs> yeah. Instead of going with something like Konami, which they already had experience with Konami because they worked with them for the Tiny Toons games. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, they went with Sunsoft, which is a really obscure Japanese company, and just gave them the license to them. And that's where we got all of these games that seem to have a lot of potential, but eventually die off because they're really poorly designed. Well, I mean, you say that Sunsoft's a really obscure Japanese developer not really i mean they did blaster master and that was a huge success that was huge in america so you know they've done a bunch of other good stuff it just seems like i don't know if they had employee turnover or they just weren't given adequate time schedule money to make a good game or, or what but it just it doesn't seem like the that sunsoft made the same quality game uh you know they, they whatever got trapped making cutesy whatever mascot platformers instead of some of the more bizarre stuff they made in the 8-bit era. I, I don't know what happened there, but uh, they they went the way of the Dodo Bird uh, or, or Dodo, the, the character at least. So It must uh, be, it must be, I don't know. I don't really remember them for the Looney Tunes games that they made in the 90s. Like they made a lot of them actually. They made this one, they made, I believe, one with Speedy Gonzalez. Hmm. They did one with Pocky Pig, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they did one with Pocky Pig. They did one with Daffy Duck as uh, Duck Dodgers. They okay. made a lot of a lot of Looney Tunes games. Apparently, they had a, a really healthy relationship with Warner Brothers that they gave them an extended franchise agreement of some sort. Huh. Well, um, clearly the output was was plentiful, but perhaps the quality was not. Um, that's a shame. Anyway, in this game, as you might imagine, the health bar is depicted using a carrot. It's being a Bugs Bunny game. Yeah. Anyway, we should go on to the last game. Uh, I, I guess I should say that the Bugs Bunny in Rabbit Rampage was requested by 120. Uh, if you listeners out there have a request, you can email me at uh, typ at nintendoworldreport.com or you can uh, go to the form uh, that's linked uh, in every episode of this. There's a page for every episode of, of uh, the podcast. Click on the link and it'll bring you to a form and that'll uh, send an email to me as well. Uh, I've got a bunch of requests, uh, as as people probably know. I'm uh, slowly getting through them. I always want more. So, uh, you know, if you give me something good, uh, I'll, I'll pounce on it. So, please do. Send me your requests. Please. All right, we're going to close this out with the final game here. That was uh, a Pedro request. So uh, here we go, last game.
Oh my god, people, hold on to your pants because I have a lot to say about this game. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> and, and the franchise overall. So stay tuned. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, then. Well, here's the final question. Although most famous for her RPG soundtracks, the composer of this game also worked on which Capcom fighter?
Well, that was pleasant. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Yeah. Well, this game. Um, well, what, what game is this, Pedro? Uh, the the title is a little bit weird, so correct me if I get it wrong. It's King of Hearts three five eight by two days. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it three hundred fifty eight over two? Uh, three fifty eight divided by two. The title says it's, it all. This is a very convoluted plot. Uh, it's it's <laughs> weird because uh, the Kingdom Hearts franchise is known for their weird names, but this is beyond weird. This is like that sounds like the name of a a beta version of a game. I, I don't. Well, I mean, Square's fallen into this weird habit of giving really bizarre names to the. I mean, with whatever theatrhythm. The, the, there have been a couple other games like <laughs> yeah. that, like the the Decidia. fighting game. The city has some weird. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, Japanese think that kind of crap is cool. Quite frankly, they think, oh, cool, crazy oh, it, anime it things. Epic. Yeah. It sounds like a fantasy. I don't know. I, I wish Square weren't in this weird rut of, of fucked up, uh, part of my language, but fucked up naming conventions. But uh, <laughs> t- tell me about this game, because uh, I played it a little bit at E3. I, it's a, it's a, sort of an adventure game. I mean, it's real time. Um, it's fun, although I, I didn't get a good feel for the magic system. I think I died because I couldn't really heal myself well. But what, is this a hard game, or was the demo hard, or is it just that if you haven't played it from the beginning... The series you're lost. Well, the problem is that um, in terms of story, yes, if you, if this is the first Kingdom Hearts game that you play and you you don't know anything of the story, it's going to be confusing if there's a story. Mm-hmm. The other thing that my confused players is that it uses um, a gameplay engine different from the normal games. This uses the card system a little bit, which was introduced in Chain of Memories, where you can create decks and right. and what it is still real time it still focuses on the card game mechanics so that's really really tricky to get into I have to be honest uh, as much as I love Kingdom Hearts as much as I love Disney I really hated the games that were based on a card system especially in Chain of Memories where it was so complicated so annoying uh, it was more tedious than fun. I don't know what happened there. Chain of Memories is the Game Boy Advance game, right? Yeah. Uh, technically, this ge- the, the DS game is kind of a little bit like a follow-up to that game because it's a, a mid-world, sort of. Like, it takes place before Kingdom Hearts 2 on the PlayStation 2. So it's kind of a little bit like a follow-up to Chain of Memories. But either way, um, the game... It's not really that well received in the fandom because, like I said, it's a, a game, another spin-off game in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. And many of us are really getting tired of all of these games that in no way actually continue the story of Kingdom Hearts 2. Because technically, we're still waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 and we have all of these new games and none of them are actually Kingdom Hearts 3. Now we have the 3DS game which supposedly, supposedly is going to be the follow-up and the prequel to the <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3. And that's why Tetsuya Nomura, the creator of the series, said, Oh, don't worry, this is the prequel that is going to explain some stuff before we get to the actual third game. Why am I imagining Star Wars here? I mean, this is... I know, I know. Uh, like, that's crazy. In fact, Star Wars, 
Star Wars is, uh, is actually a great way to explain it because the first game came out in 2002. I fell in love with that game. Like, dear lord, I spent like a hundred hours in the first game alone trying to level up the main character Sora up to level 100 and get everything. And from everything that I read, Kingdom Hearts was going to be just like a one-off game. Like, okay, this is an experiment game. We got a franchise with Disney. If originally it was going to be a like a typical Disney game, like you kept playing as the Disney Disney prince, trying to save the Disney princesses, and that was pretty much it. It wasn't until the creator of Final Fantasy, I forget the name, his name, I'm sorry, Kevin said, well. I think this game might be a little more successful if you try to try to make it like a Final Fantasy game. And they said, hmm, that might work. So they got Nomura into the game, that he designed the gameplay, he designed the characters, and the rest, they say, is history. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that Square, look at the game sale, they, they saw the great reception because nobody was ex- expecting. Uh, a team up with Disney and Square Enix, which at the time were really popular with Final Fantasy VII right. and IX and X, etc. So when they saw that the game was really popular, they said, you know what? We might have to come up with sequels and we have to explain some things that we left unexplained in the first game. So whatever, they, let's just keep making games. So whenever they make a new game, they had to add another layer to the story and another and another. And that's why so many yeah. fans uh, kind of dropped out of the Kingdom Hearts fan base because there were so many games, it was kind of hard to follow them. And not only that, it became more about the original story, which was more of a Square Enix story mm-hmm. than a Disney story, which was the main appeal of the first game that you went to right. this really fantastic, amazing Disney-based worlds with these characters, and it looks so great. But now it's basically trying to figure out what's going on with the original characters. Yeah, if, if the appeal is supposed to be Disney meets Final Fantasy, it's gone way off the reservation at this point. Especially in this game, because in the fan base it gets a big bad a bad rep because one of the main characters, I forget her name, I believe it's Sion. That's another weird game they, name that they like to use in in their games. Uh, one of the main characters has been labeled as a very soup type of character because the main bad guys in the series is called Organization 13. But then they add this new character, which is the four, the 14 member. And everybody was like, what the hell is she doing here? Why, why is her purpose in the story? They're not just adding characters for the sake of adding characters. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that uh, like someone like me who might be interested in, in playing a Kingdom's Hearts game uh, can't just pick one up and say, okay, let's play. I mean, that's, that's a shame. But uh, the music's great. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, you know, Yoko Shimomura is famously the, the composer of, of, I guess, the entire franchise's music, uh, more or less. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of why the first song sounds like something out of Mario and Luigi. Uh, mm-hmm. The first song I selected was certainly something similar to what you would compose from Mario Luigi. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't add too much more to this conversation. I, I'm, I'm glad you were here, Pedro, to explain mm-hmm. this game because I. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, what did I have to say about the music? Because that's another reason why I love the franchise so much, despite all of the ups and downs that it has experienced in the last few years. 
because the music is constant, the music is always there. And Yoko Shimomura did an amazing job with all of these games because she could have easily cheated in a way and just used all of these songs that were used in the movies. Like, for example, in Alice in Wonderland, she would pick some random song of the movie, she would put it in the game, work done. But instead, what she did was create original compositions that sounded like they came from the yeah. game universe and I, I insert it into the game so when you listen it to say oh this is uh, Alice in Wonderland this sounds like Beauty and the Beast and even though she does sometimes use songs from the movies because it's inevitable like if you play a Disney yeah. game you expect some sort of song for any movie from there because Disney has a really extensive catalog of songs that it's inevitable that someone is going to borrow one of them and put it in a game. But Yoko Shimomura tries to avoid that and creates these really amazing songs that sounds like Disney but at the same time sounds like Final Fantasy. Like the second song that we heard that was really action-y. I'd liken it a lot to like the Rogue Squadron series where um, like Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, like the music wasn't actually from Star Wars, basically, but it, it sounded like it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very, very similar phenomena. Um, anyway, we're gonna have to wrap this up. Oh, sorry. Before we question. before we wrap things up, uh, we probably should answer the the question too. Um, so uh, people may be surprised to to learn that Yoko Shimomura also worked on uh, Street Fighter Two. Um, I know. I was surprised the first time I heard that when I read that she did. Mario and Luigi said, oh, of course, no wonder the game sounded familiar. But then when I read that she did Street Fighter 2, I was like, no way. So basically, in addition to giving us one of the greatest soundtracks of our generation, she also gave, she also gave us God's scene, which goes with everything nowadays. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Pedro, for co-hosting. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, uh, it's always fun being here. And stay tuned for uh, episode 100. I, I don't know exactly what <laughs> we have in store, but I swear we have something in store. It's going to be a celebration. What we're celebrating, we're still up in the air, so stay tuned. It's going to be great. It's a nice round number. We're celebrating a nice round number. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that, farewell. Uh, see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care.
Banjo 2 is copyright 2000 Nintendo Rare. Wario Land Super Mario Land 3 is copyright 1993 Nintendo. Wet is copyright 1998 Z2 Ocean. Bugs Bunny and Rabbit Rampage is copyright 1993 Sunsoft Warner Brothers. Kingdom Hearts 358 Days Over 2 is copyright 2009 Disney Square Enix.